Welcome to Heart Speak Podcast, episode 133, Body Talk. Welcome to the Heart Speak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. It's so good to share this time with you. And today we're going to look at our bodies. Each of us has one. I hope you have one. And we're going to talk to it and listen to it and look at it and realize there is so much information in our bodies just on the surface. If that's the only place we look, the color of our eyes, the shape of our toes, there is so much to see and hear if we have the time and the space to listen. And to me, it tells me about the health of someone, but also what their soul is here to express. Why did we choose this particular shape, this particular way of being? And as we start, I just want to say, we all have perfect symmetry in our bodies. Our bodies are perfect because every part of our body follows the golden mean. The golden ratio. So even though we may look in the mirror and go, hmm, not sure about that shape, just tell yourself it's perfect. And as I described different things to you just now, don't go into judgment. Just say, wow, thank you for showing me, as I ask, tell my body, thank you for showing me an area that I need to work on or I need to focus on. And I'm going to be describing some of the issues that I carry just for you to understand this. So we're actually going to start with sound. I love sound. Even though I've only ever played the recorder, that's the best of my abilities of playing an instrument, I have had many forms of healing through sound, whether it's tuning forks, sound tables, Tibetan bowls, crystal bowls. I love it. And every time I get involved with sound, I do feel the vibration of my body changing the soul wakening up, especially when I'm toning. And one particular practice was one that has been gifted to us by Sherry Edwards, who discovered that our voice carries different frequencies, different notes, and that when those notes are in excess or lacking, it can show both a physiological and a psychological disturbance. And it's certainly true that when you hear someone who is very depressed or sad, they lose their tone, they only have a monotonal voice. Do you recognize that? When when someone's excited, they're up and down. So here I went to a practitioner who had learned this type of sound healing. And I knew that I was going to be asked to talk about a journey I'd taken to the home of this sound healer. So I decided to cheat a little, which is what I sometimes do to see how good the therapy is. So she asked me to speak into a microphone and the notes of my voice were recorded in a computer and then she could read which notes were in excess in my voice, which were lacking, etc. So here I was and I started the journey by saying, I got into the car and then I came out the car and then I drove here. And I used my voice in that very exaggerated way, 
thinking this would trick the computer. Well, when we got the computer readout, she said, you have problems. You have too much DD sharp and too little A and B in your voice. And I thought, how could that be? I was using every tone I could think of. And she, I said, well, what does DD sharp mean? And she said, it's all to do with the gallbladder and it's over responsibility. And I went, darn it. Because one of the themes that shows up in every part of my body is a problem around my gallbladder. And here is this DD sharp and this over responsibility that goes with my Mars in Capricorn. I thought, I can't escape this. And then I said, well, what does A, lack of A mean? And she said, you're a martyr and you're going to have problems if you don't balance your life out because you've got too much responsibility for others and not enough for yourself. And I thought, you've got me again. Because I'm brought up as a very good Brit who says, I'm fine. I'm okay. I don't need help. Anybody else out there like me? And I realized that if I didn't stop and take care of myself, I was going to get sick. So in the typical Christine fashion, I went out or left her. And the following day, I resigned from a job I was doing. Because I knew my health, my ability to be a doctor or a healthcare professional was dependent on walking my talk. And if I wasn't doing that, I wasn't good for anybody. So I also had to look at that DD Sharp. And she, the practitioner, gave me a cassette. It was in the days of cassette to listen to. And this provided me with the notes that I was missing and also helped to calm down the ones that I had too much of. And I listened to this over a period of time and my life changed. My emotional state changed. It was magical. But I also had to look at my gallbladder, and I'm just going to describe this bit to you, because I love five element medicine, oriental medicine. I love looking at the meridians, but also the five elements. And I realized the gallbladder was so much connected to the liver meridian. So the liver is the major aspect of this, and the gallbladder is the minor. And the liver is about movement. So when I get irritated or frustrated, I need to move, either move myself physically or move my attitude. And I'm saying this for any of you out there who may also find difficulty expressing your anger. So if you've been told, don't be angry, calm down, meditate out of irritation, please don't. If you're feeling irritated or resentful, your liver is saying, time to change, time to move. And I realize that when I feel time to move, my solar plexus comes into action. And my solar plexus is in my stomach area. And between them is the gallbladder. So my gallbladder, my liver is saying move. My stomach is saying, yes, but how's it going to affect everybody else? Well, you've got to think of other people. And so my gallbladder is caught between these two. And so even though I did not had, fortunately, gallbladder disease, I have a gallbladder tendency, which is to think of others and not move, not be frustrated enough to say, right, I'm going to do this, whether it affects other people or not. So I'm always having to look at listening to my irritability or my resentment. And I've followed very clearly that when I start to resent the situation I'm in, I leave it because that's never a good energy to be in as a health professional or as any professional, it does me no good. 
I wonder if any of you have issues in your so-called gallbladder area or don't always allow that liver energy to move you. And so I found that that gallbladder energy follows me everywhere. And here it was showing up in my voice. At the same time, the lack of the A and the B in my notes in my voice needed to pay attention. I needed to say, I'm, I'm not fine, or I need help, or allow people in to help me. And that really helped uh, change my life. So not only does my voice tell me a lot, so does the color of my eyes. And I trained as an iridologist because I'm just fascinated to find different ways that the voice, voice or the body will talk to us. And this is iris diagnosis iridology. Now, not surprising, it is more commonly used in countries where there are blue-eyed people. In people who have very dark brown eyes, it's actually quite hard to read the irises. <laughs> so you won't notice this as an art so much in those countries. But I was trained with someone who lived in Sweden and Scandinavia, and they use this alongside nutrition and homeopathy, which I was very grateful for them teaching me all of this. So I learned how to look at the iris. And what I discovered is there's so much to see. And in truth, there were only two color eyes, blue and brown. And you may say, oh, Christine, you've got brown eyes. I haven't. I've actually got hazel eyes. Anybody else got hazel eyes, green eyes? And why have I got green eyes? Because the yellow of the bile, gallbladder, sits on my blue eyes to give green eyes. So when I see someone with green eyes and hazel eyes, it's not that we're all fiery, but sometimes we don't express our anger as well as we could. And it's one of the things that I can learn, or I'm always learning, is to use that energy not to be angry at someone, to use it as an energy of movement. Now, those of you who have got blue eyes, there are different issues for the color of your eyes. The blue-eyed individuals have more problems with lymph problems, kidney problems, skin problems, lung problems, very much a lymphatic -y issue. And so anybody who's got blue eyes should be very careful not to have too many dairy products or to watch the toxins that might come out and be expressed through the kidneys. Brown-eyed people have other issues. They have more stagnation, spasm in their body. So again, may appear in constipation or problems, different issues with the lungs. So being very mindful of keeping things relaxed and flowing. And I could go on in various ways, but the eyes tell us so much. In the iris, as I was trained to look at, I could literally see what your psychology was within your iris. I could see the issues that might come up in your body. I'm making them fairly simplistic at the moment, but very similar to reflexology, which I love. The organs in the center of your body align to the center of your iris and the organs on the outside of your body align to the outside of your iris. And it really shows not that you can clear and change the color of your iris. I, I don't believe in that, even though there are some systems that say you can. But it does show us where we need to pay attention. And I think that's true in any system we look at. It's similar to astrology. Where do I need to pay attention? Ah, my gallbladder. Ah, my stomach. Ah, I need to do this. So 
I might see, for instance, a ring, a dark ring on the inside of the iris. And when I see that, we often see that that relate, that's relates to the skin. And what that tells me is here I'm meeting an individual who may have skin issues, psoriasis, eczema, etc. But they're also very sensitive to their environment. So it's almost like they put a coat on around themselves to keep themselves safe. So if I see that, I see someone who is socially challenged, uh, not to a great degree, but they may be very sensitive to the environment around them. And they need to, I need to be sensitive to them when I see that. So they're very simple ways of looking at iridology. And please think about maybe seeing someone who does sound therapy or iridology, because it gives you so much information about yourself. Now, obviously, we also read body language. It's simple. <laughs> Just as I raise my shoulders, uh, you're seeing that's my body language. And simple things like body language would be the person who puts their finger over their mouth and their finger on their throat chakra and says, hmm, I'm listening to you, but you definitely know they're not. <laughs> or they turn their head sideways and say, I'm listening, but they're not. And then you watch the person who's been hurt, the child who's been hurt. They put their arms across their heart chakra. And then the person who you might be talking to, and you're talking about their family, and you say, how are you getting on with your father? And they go, fine. How are you getting on with your mother? And they immediately cross their arms across what we call their solar plexus, their stomach. And what they're saying is, go away, leave me alone. <laughs> Do not go here. And then we have the people who, you know, more commonly a man who sits with his legs apart, you know, exposing everything and kind of saying, look, I'm the boss here, compared with the person who maybe turns sideways to us, who's partially here but partially not, but is definitely protecting themselves. And then finally, we have the person who scratches the back of their head when they're thinking. Why do people do that? It's because a chakra called the Alta Major sits at the back of the head. And that chakra is our dream center, our thinking center. So sometimes we scratch the back of our head to say, what is it in my head that I've got there? <laughs> what do I want to say? And when you know that someone's speaking the truth, they tap the front of the chest. There's this little nodge here, knot here, between the throat chakra and the heart chakra. And we do this, we go, I'm speaking my truth. So you know they are. The body doesn't lie. Again, these natural tendencies we have to use our hands, to use our voice, to use our body to express ourselves are so important. So let's go to the face now. So the face has a lot to tell us, not just the shape, but also the lines on the face, etc. Now, if you draw a line, a vertical line down the center through your nose, down to your chin, you really want to see, is my face in symmetry? Do I have one side of my face almost more forward than the other side? Or are they equal, you know, equal in depth or width, I should say? And that, if they're not, then you're really seeing someone who maybe keeps a lot of their inner self or inner turmoil inside. And you can see this when you look at their eyes. Because I don't know if you've ever seen, if you look in someone's eyes, sometimes one eye is more active than the other eye. It's almost like one eye is totally with you, the other eye is hidden. 
it's shy. And this has got nothing to do with sight. It's literally a part of them is hiding. Maybe a part of them you will never know. So what is it that you are seeing in your own face, just looking into a mirror and seeing your own face? Are both your eyes shining out? And we can literally change the expression of our soul by focusing on shining out of the eye that's quiet. I'm not going to use the word lazy because that gets us into a, a, a discussion about eyesight. But if you shine out of one eye, see how your psychology changes when usually you shine out of, shone out of the other eye. So try that for size. Now you could also then draw a horizontal line under your eyes. And what you want to see is, are my eyes equal? In terms of, if I draw a line, is one higher than the other? Are they the same level, are they same distance? And if your eyes are not at that same level, or the rest of your face underneath that horizontal line, it means you're unconventional. Different things will happen in your life. You are bringing an unconventionality to the world. And then maybe your eyes are very close together. In fact, less than an eye's width together. So in some ways, there's not even the space for one more eye between them. That shows someone who is a perfectionist, uh, quite a hard taskmaster, very nitpicky. And that's fine if they're your accountant or someone who you really want to have all those details, but not if you're, they're your partner. And then if it, someone's eyes are quite far apart, they're much more easygoing. They're more accepting of a differences between us, a sort of 360-degree look. So just looking at the eyes can tell us so much. They are the eyes of, the eyes are the windows of the soul. And we can look at a nose. So a, a more pointed nose is someone who, you know, literally gets on with life. They, they, they haven't got time to waste. And they can be much more direct. And then someone who has a, what we call a flared nostrils has much, again, an awareness of other people, sometimes almost of gullibility and innocence about them, so that they will kind of like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> we use a remedy in homeopathy called phosphorus when people have flaring nostrils, partly because they are so sensitive, but they don't always have good emotional boundaries. And then you can look at the lips. And some people have a full lips, and that's natural, nothing done to them. And those lips, again, are, are full of life and love sharing their stories and love talking. And then we have the people who have tight lips. And that tight lip is often they, they don't want to hear a story. They, don't, they just give you the details. Let's get on with it. So they say, oh, let's not waste time. And they can be tight in other ways in terms of money. You know, just tight-lipped and tight-pocketed, tight wallet. So watching to see people's mouths fascinating. The other thing I've seen with the mouth is how some people talk out of one side of the mouth rather than the other. And it's almost, I don't know if I can do it, but they almost like close one side and just talk out of one side. And it's interesting to think now, for instance, the right side of the body tends to relate to the masculine. So if someone talks out of the left side of the mouth, Often when I ask, you know, was your father quite dictatorial? Because the masculine side tends to be the right side. Would he listen to you? And they would say, well, no, we weren't allowed to speak when he was around. So 
we learn how to shut a part of our mouth, close a part of our mouth for that. So interesting when you're looking at someone speaking, are they speaking out of both sides of their mouth, which can you know, obviously mean hopefully they're being honest. But when you only speak out of one side, what's the other side wanting to say? So there's so much that you can look at there. And then if you look at Ayurvedic medicine, they talk about the different aspects of the face showing different qualities of the actual organs of the body. So for instance, the chin is the sexual energy, the reproductive energy. So if you have a bit of a cleft chin, you may have difficulties in those areas. Then you have the kidney energy where under the eyes, the bags under my eyes, kidney energy. And then you see the two vertical lines between the eyes and you see someone frowning. And that's kind of liver energy, but it's also, you know, let's just get to the point, it's skepticism. It's like, I'm not gonna believe you anyway. <laughs> so when I see someone with these anger lines, these vertical lines between the eyes, you know this person is, is somewhat set in their ways and they just want to tell you that, they, they'll listen, but let's just get on with it. And then you have the worry lines across the forehead, very much connected to the small intestine, the, the worrying all the time, and not digesting things, having to find a way through the world, like everything is nervous for them. So, so much to say around the face. And then we sometimes get people who have uh, cold sores and they often are biting their lip. Now, they now might not physically be biting their lip, but what they're telling us is, I'm keeping something in, something's got on my nerves, which is something like a cold sore, it comes from the virus herpes. And it's like, I'm biting my lip, I'm not gonna say it, but I'm <clears throat> expressing this in a way that says, I have a lot to say, but I'm not gonna say it. And the other place that we often see, although this is within the mouth, is actually someone who has a red raw mouth. They also can hold things in. And they are feeling it, but they're not expressing it. And if you want to go one step further, all the teeth have a message. Each tooth is connected to a different organ, a different meridian. Very interesting to think that the wisdom teeth, for instance, are connected to the heart and to the central nervous system. I wonder what it means to take out someone's wisdom teeth and we just remove them. We haven't done any studies on that because we just think teeth are there to be chewed on, <laughs> but they have a great depth. So if you have issues with your teeth, it's really interesting. Again, so much of this information is online Go and look and see which tooth is being affected. What is this tooth trying to tell me? I will say that when I see people grinding their teeth, grinding of the teeth is, I'm gonna keep all of this energy inside, but I actually have a lot of power. So it's almost like we're powerless or we're feeling powerless. We're grinding down our power but we have this determination inside us that might only appear at night and then during the day we're all smiles. Same time, we get an abscess in our tooth. It's a deep wound, a deep hate and hurt. I'm gonna use the word hate. It's something we've been grinding on. We haven't let anybody see just how deeply wounded we are, but how much anger we have there. And then the abscess comes out. So there's so much to learn about the mouth, 
There's so much to learn about our face. So let's just keep moving on. We come down to the meridians and here it's a huge journey. I love oriental medicine and I know some of you are practitioners of this. I so respect you because there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn about each of the meridians and the magic that they're offering. And then I'm just going to give you a few ideas. When someone has heart disease or a heart attack, we often say that they get the pain in their chest and it goes down the left arm. But there's actually no nerve supply that supplies the left arm and the heart. So why the left arm? Why are they getting pain in their arm? Well, the heart meridian goes down the arm, ends at the little finger. And so when we feel pain going down our arm, it's the meridian that's lighting up as much as anything else. And I always found it fascinating that if we're trying to soothe someone, we'll often rub our arm down, our hand down their arm, won't we? We say, there, there, don't worry, it's okay. You know, we don't tap them on the shoulder or hit them on the head. We somehow move our arm, move our hand down their arm, and that gives them some solace. Very interesting that we naturally know where these meridians are and we are helping them along. I remember there is a line that goes, a meridian that goes from the mouth down to the perineum, the opening of the vulva, the vagina. And when I was delivering babies, sometimes someone would say, keep your mouth shut, don't make any noise. And do you know, that always meant that the labor was much longer because when you keep your mouth shut, your vagina also shuts and so does your vulva. And I remember this wonderful man coming in and would be, to be with his wife and he went, just scream, friend, just scream. <laughs> and she opened her mouth, she did make noise, but the baby just shot out, no problem at all. So I love this idea of this conceptual line that when we open ourselves at our mouth, we also open our perineum, but it also means we're not so uptight. Our perineum is where our anus is, we get made uptight. So when we sing and we open ourselves, then we're allowing this energy, this creative energy to come out. Now I also love the liver meridian. The liver meridian is a very long meridian that goes from the big toe up along the legs, up around the uterus and the prostate, gallbladder, liver, up through the throat chakra or up through the throat and into the eyes. And I think so commonly as a doctor, we would just remove different organs such as the gallbladder or the, have it give someone a hysterectomy because they had fibroids. We may even take out varicose veins. And all the time, we were never understanding that all these organs were along one particular meridian, the liver meridian. And how much better it would have been if we had said, I wonder what the link is with all these different organs. And how could we advise our clients, our patients in a different way than just remove organs? And so when someone sees red, that's their liver. They're seeing, they're angry at something. When they have a sore throat, throat is red, what are they wanting to express? When they've got gallbladder problems, I often think that God gave us a little bag to put our anger stones in. So one day we can throw them at people. 
What is it you're not expressing? How, where are you not moving your energy? Where are we staying in an energy that frustrates us? And that then goes down to the prostate and the uterus. So many women have fibroids. What's a fibroid? It's a benign tumor of the uterus. When I ask a woman with fibroids, who takes care of you? She starts to cry because she said, nobody's there for me. And that makes her angry and sad. So I teach her how to change that. Again, move the circumstances. Ask for help. Ask people to leave if they're taking up too much of her space, her time and space. And I remember one gentleman who came to see me who had gout, which is the big toe where the liver meridian starts. And I said, are you frustrated? Because the big toe is about how we move forward in the world. And he said, you bet I'm frustrated. He said, my girlfriend and my wife both want to go on holiday at the same time. It's not fair. <laughs> I had to say, hmm, I can see your frustration. <laughs> so the whole body is talking to us, and I'm just giving you a few indications of what happens. And it's so interesting to look at where the meridians start and will finish, how our body will react, whether it's our fingers, that, as I say, the little fingers to connect to the heart, we have the, the lung and the, and the large intestines in these two fingers. And everything, our, our heart protector is our middle finger. So many of these different aspects are telling us something. I remember someone, a, a young boy, who had had problems with his family and his family had split up and been a divorce, but that had absolutely frozen his feelings of security. So his second toe, which relates to the stomach meridian, and that sense of being nurtured, feeling that you feel safe here, the, the second toe just got stunted. It didn't grow. So different toes will tell us different things. And this is the last thing I'm going to share with you. We go down to the feet. Of course, there's reflexology, which I love so much to learn about reflexology. It can be found in the hands and the feet, and it's so accurate. Those of you who are reflexologists can tell me so much more than I know about this. But the body is mapped out. So literally, the organs, the energy can be mapped out in our feet. And every day, of course, we're walking on these feet. We're literally moving around. And the feet tell us so much. So I like the idea that my brain is in my big toe, for instance, <laughs> needs lots of massage. And that the, the lymphatic system that goes between the, the tendons of my feet, the eyes and the ears are in, across the top uh, between the toes and the, the main bulk of the foot. And that if there, there's a tender point in the soft part of your foot, and that's your adrenal glands, especially if we're stressed, it's nice to just gently rub that adrenal area to just de-stress ourselves. And I'm making everything simplistic. So for those of you who are a practitioner of these arts, I apologize. But I want everybody to understand their body is loving them all the time. And sometimes we do <clears throat> just take care of our feet by rubbing them. We may not know what we're doing, but our body knows. So when you find yourself rubbing your hands or rubbing your feet or stroking your arm, your, your arm knows what it needs. Your hand knows where to go. 
understand there's magic in everything we're doing. And when we get a pain, sometimes just running our fingers up and down, the place where it's painful releases the tension. It's not the whole answer, but at least this is self-healing that you can do. So we're going to finish with the feet. And I'm just going to look at some notes here so that I can tell you about toe reading. There's so much more about toe reading than there ever was before. And I love this art. It's something relatively new to me. So what you want to look at is the top of your big toe and draw a line down to the top of your little toe. And what you're really looking at is which of my other toes are longer than that line, go above that line, which are shorter than that line, go beneath it. And again, this is not my expertise, but I just love the language of this. So the big toe is the toe where you set off in life. When we walk, we should push off with our big toe. So when you have a long big toe, you are really a creative thinker, a get-goer, a go-getter. You want to be out in the world. You come up with ideas. You start things. The only downside is that you may not finish them because you get interested in something else. So the big toe leading is a really good thing. If your big toe is shorter than your second toe or is shorter than the rest of the toes under that line that I described almost, then it may be that you wait for other people to make a move. So you say, well, show me what to do. So you may not be a leader. You might be more of a follower. And at this point, I'm just going to mention bunions. Bunions often happen in that big toe. And a bunion means often that you're spending more time on the needs of other people. You're pulled in all directions by other people, not always able to get onto your own path. Okay. Second toe, when you have a long second toe, you do have leadership qualities, but they're very creative leadership qualities, very dynamic. So it's not necessarily coming up with ideas, but you want to get things done. You know, let's, let's get on with things. And so you can be like my way or the highway and being in that leadership way, a bit impatient of other people taking a longer time. The shorter toe is someone who is quite happy to go along with what you're telling me to do. And, and really home and security might be more important than getting out there into the world. The third toe is associated with willpower. And it's said that a, a Chinese mother will look for her son, look at the toes of the prospective wife of her son, make sure that it, the third toe isn't too long <laughs> because otherwise she's going to be very bossy and would be quite determined and, as I say, uh, have a lot of energy but pushing things against everybody else's will. If the little toe or the third toe excuse me is shorter then you enjoy the pleasures of life i like that very much in other words whatever you want to do don't get me involved in this i'm happy doing my own thing the fourth toe indicates about family so when you've got a long fourth toe your family will be important to you and you'll be very dutiful and and wanting to be there for them Unfortunately, that can mean that, again, their needs will take over what your needs are. But you are very nurturing, very caring, a good listener, 
probably wanting to be in the caring professions as well. If your fourth door is short, it means that family aren't going to be that important to you. And then there's the fifth toe, which is about if your fifth toe is longer or higher than that line I've just, well, you know, high, as I say in that line, it can be that you are more like a Peter Pan character. You're very excited by new things. You're a bit childlike, which I love. But it would be that you're not really committed as you could be. You're like off doing something. If you've got a very short little toe, then or fifth toe, that could mean that you're very loyal, very, you're not going to step out of line, you're going to always be there for people. So I like these ideas, and there's a lot to be said for <clears throat> if you can move your little toe away from your fourth toe, your fifth toe away from your fourth toe, it means you have independence. If you can't, you're more likely to be a good match for someone, a good committed to a relationship. So again, before you get into a relationship, you want to look at whether they can move their little toe away from the fourth toe, because that will give you a different idea. Now, if the toenail on the little toe is pointing towards the wall rather than pointing to the sky, then you will also be unconventional. These are just ideas, and I really encourage you to either go and find a toe reader or look it up on the internet and look at your own toes. What are your toes telling you? What do they want you to hear? And the last thing I want to say is about the arches. So that sometimes people have a flat feet and they are very close to the ground, can cause problems because they don't have good enough arches. But when your feet are very wide and flat, you're very earthbound, you're very practical, you're, you're here. When you've got high arches, you, you have a great sensitivity but your sensitivity may be that you don't want to be here on this planet. And so you're literally trying to lift off the planet all the time. So that's a rundown of your beautiful, perfect body. I hope you've enjoyed this. And what I wanted to do is really encourage you to listen to the body. I know one question that does often come up for me is, why does one side of my body get injured more than another? The left side of the body does tend to be the female side. The right side does tend to be the masculine side. The masculine side is the doing side. The feminine side is the intuitive side. It's not always easy to see. Sometimes if we're pushing too much with our masculine, it may become injured so that we, we have to pull back and take time. But we can also, let's say, have injuries to our left side of the body when the body's really saying, it's about time you listened. I, you've, we're not listening to our intuition enough. I'm sorry not to be able to be so specific, but when you get injuries always on one side of the body rather than the other, listen and say, what do you need me to do? What do I need to change? And the body is trying to align itself. Sometimes we're not noticing one side of our body. Okay, I'm going to finish with that. I hope you've enjoyed this run through the body. So much more I could talk about. But I wanted to make sure that in the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with any of us. We are all unique. We are all different. And that our body is trying to help us to express that uniqueness through the divine light that flows through us all. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Heart Speak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. 
Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcasts on YouTube. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heartspeak.